Hey everybody, welcome to the Hyper Radio Podcast on Hyper Radio. There's that applause. There we go. There we go. Yes, yay! Great show for you guys tonight. Let the band ride out because I'm gonna punch my thorax real quick. Let him go in. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome, welcome to the Hyper Radio Podcast on HybridRadio.net. I am your host, Jarrell. With me is my lovely co-host, Drew. Give it up for Drew, everybody. Hey. I just saw you took a little swig of that uh, Bud Light. Started, started choking on it. Is that too strong for Jesus you? Jesus Christ. <laughs> what This this beer is awful. So I've been, I've been watching my weight, and uh, so we now, all, now, well, you know. We've all been watching. We, we all say we do, but, you know. I've, I've actually been trying. I've been, I've been drinking Miller Lite. Uh-huh. Um, 96 calories. Doesn't taste too bad. Yeah. Nice, smooth, kind of tasty. Not great, but does the job. Bud Light is questionable quality, and it's 110 calories. Mm. How 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 are you going to have more calories and not taste as as good? That's it's, it's less less taste, more filling. That, say. that would be like if if it's like well, you can have like a hamburger, it's like 200 calories, or you could have a salad, it's like 600 calories. I was like, that well, happens though, cause especially when you. So it, it tastes it tastes worse, and it's worse for me. Yeah. I, what? <laughs> what? What am I doing here? <clears throat> yeah, but the salad usually, if you decorate the shit out of a salad, that's what makes the calories go up. So that usually can happen. You know, you don't put like you know, like um, bacon and like you know oil, cooking oil into your salads like I do. You know. Cooking oil, yeah, you like know, used yeah. cooking oil, yeah. just like <laughs> just make it nice and like you know made an omelet, yeah, like fried some chicken, dump it on the salad. <laughs> Sometimes the ranch dressing is not uh, not not uh, thick enough, so you got to put some uh, oil in that. You know, some ice cream, make that salad taste taste good. You know, enough about food. Let me tell you guys about what this show is. If you never watched a show before, because you can't, because it's a podcast. If you ever listen to this show, this is what we do. Me and Drew sit back. Uh, he's finally drinking with me tonight, so that's fun. So we might have a really good show for you guys. And we're going to review some albums today. We're going to review... It's a metal show, actually, almost. We're gonna Is review, it? Almost, because I know we haven't had a metal show since, like, October, that Halloween show. <clears throat> but this time we have all three bands that dabble in somewhat into the metal scene. Got the new one from Andrew WK. You know, the party man himself has released a new record, and we're going to, you know, rank that, review that one as well. I'll give you that one because I uh, just found out recently the drummer or former drummer of his band also played an obituary when they were on hiatus. Yeah, yeah so that, that counts. Next up, we're going to be reviewing a band I'm really excited about talking about, the band Buried, Buried Between the Buried and Me. Between the Buried and Me, I can say. Buried in the Between Me. <laughs> yeah. They have a new record that came out, and I love their last album. Um, what was it? Coma Elliptica? Comalyptic, sorry, and uh, I'm really excited about that this record. I I didn't listen to that record, but only um, I really wanted to because it was the first record that had an actual cover. <laughs> what the other it was like the, black, the right? floating lady? And yeah. The, every other one is just like here's a white cover with the album title. <laughs> yeah, so that one there's a bunch of lines. Since they're so progressive on that one, and, and probably past records I've heard before, um, I'm excited about that. And Drew is going to talk about his. Uh, knowledge of the band based on their older stuff because I guess he started listening to them and stopped when I started listening to them. Something oh, like fantastic. that. So, um, so we got everything covered. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to close off with a band that's been around for a long time, dude. Talking about the new one from Ministry. They're, they just put out another record because, you know, it's a uh, politics season so they have to release some new music. Some might say they've been around too long. <laughs> some might say that, yeah. Would you say that? 
I don't know. You're going to have to listen yeah, we'll and find, find out. Yeah, All right. So we got three albums to review. And for you guys that listen to the podcast, this is an exciting night night for you guys because you're getting an exclusive that people are going to have to wait a whole, a, like a month to hear. I am going to do a tribute to the legendary uh, duo Cheech and Chong by ranking all their movies that they did together from worst to best. You know, we like to we like to uh, tribute people before they die. That way, when it actually happens, we're already on that shit. You know, but like CNN, we do it years <coughs> in advance. Yeah, to get ready. Right. But unlike CNN, we release them immediately, and it's a little bit weird and morbid. Yes. But this one's not going to be so immediately. I'm going to actually release this one on uh, April 20th for all the stoners out there. We'll have the actual video for you guys, to, for everyone to see. So you guys listening right now, you get not only unedited, but you're going to get it in advance as well. So applaud that. <laughs> I think that's about coverage. I know we got to do a longer show because this is a sad day because um, for you guys out there, this is going to be the last show. Before Drew becomes no longer a bachelor. So, ladies, unfortunately, Drew, Drew will be off the market. Get on back. this dick, ladies. <laughs> you got another three weeks. <laughs> you got three weeks to run to the, to as soon as the, the priest says, you know, does anyone object to this wedding for like 50 girls? And I'm, I do. I do. Stop the wedding. Like banging on the glass. I didn't get any of that dick yet. <laughs> it's your baby. As you blow her head off, you know. Little uh, Kill Bill reference right there. You don't have enough Kill Bill references in podcasts, you know. <laughs> mm. Um, also, so I just want to say like, Drew, like as, as a married man myself, I want to know, did, are you, how, how are you feeling with it three weeks to go and see if it's compared to wh- how I felt, you know? I feel absolutely no different. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> it's the most overrated, most overblown thing I think I've ever experienced. Marriage? <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, most likely. I've been living with her for a few years now, so yeah. I can definitely tell you that's overrated. Hi, honey. Love you. <laughs> we got to jokes and <laughs> jokes and jokes. <laughs> All right. Uh, but really, it's like, you know, everything's planned out, so there's nothing to worry about. I'm assuming she did all the planning. You're just going to show up. Uh, yeah. I, I um, My planning uh, is pretty much just telling her no when she, <laughs> she gets too wild, where she's yeah. just like, I want this crazy thing, this fun thing. I'm like, I can't be when's doing the that. Harpsist, we, when's the harpsist going to be here, damn it? too poor to be doing that. <laughs> I do trust there'll be a harpsist at the wedding. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did splurge for the harp. Okay, thank you. I'm going to be the one playing. We actually just bought a harp. <laughs> You're going to be doing the, the lewd or whatever it's they gonna, call it. It's going to sound fucking awful, but it'll, it will be there. <clears throat> it looks easier than it, and I guess it is. You know, when I see person playing the harp, I'm like, how hard can that be? You, just you don't even have to. your fingers across? Yeah, you just pluck a string. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, not even like playing guitar. No, you, you don't you have to hold notes. You need two different things with all that hands. Apparently, it's difficult. But yeah, it's like, um, you know, it. It's. I feel like uh, I was actually having this conversation with her the other night. If you're nervous about your wedding, you need to not get married. <laughs> Why because is that? I feel like that's a sign. I yeah. f- there's nothing to be nervous about. Um, and... It's it's just a piece of paper essentially. Like yeah. that's it. It doesn't really change anything. You're already together, and if you're worried about losing half your shit, go on. Yeah, if you're worried about that, then <laughs> I mean that's the root of it, right? Even if yeah. it's like a subconscious thing. Yeah, there's nothing else to be worried about. Mm-hmm. So you need to not get married. Right, if you're nervous. I think like people are worried, and for me is like they say that the women holds back the one man. Holds back their like you know true self until that ring slides on. Then it's like you know, I hate this movie. It's like 
why didn't you, what where'd that come from? It's like we've been watching these like cheesy eighties movies all the time. Why is why do you hate it now? You know? And then you get like the whole like, you know, I don't like that you leave like your clothes lying all over the floor all the time. Like what is that about? I always did that. Why is this an issue now? I think that's what people worry about, you know. Not that I can relate to it. There's absolutely no chance of that, I think. Because <laughs> I already get You got that shit. backhand ready, so it's just like, <laughs> so, okay, as soon as you open, okay, I won't say hand is strong <laughs> this, with this one. This one. <laughs> no, no, she she complains about me all the time, and... and uh, it makes her a better person. <laughs> yeah, it certainly doesn't make me a better person. It makes me uh, more anxious. Right. I think I was actually not nervous until you're just nervous about making an ass of yourself at the whole like repeating back exactly what the priest or whatever you're gonna have says. Well, and that's a good thing. Our friend is doing it for us. <laughs> she she um, got she's an ordained minister just for our our ceremony. So mm-hmm. I'm not even worried about that. If it was like somebody I didn't know, I, I'd be like, yeah. Uh, I guess is, that's where I messed up. I didn't know I didn't know the person that married. I didn't meet him before. So and I haven't seen him since. So how about that? Um, you were worried, worried about making an ass out of yourself in front of this fucking guy that you... Yeah. And, oh, not him, but all the people that were at the wedding, you know, that I actually knew. And um, when they when she came out, it's like the first time you saw her in like 24 hours. And then it's like, oh, wow, I got to react to the like the dress. And like, oh, my God, it's the most beautiful You got to pretend ever. that, yeah. like, you're blown away by it. Right. When, when she comes out, you're just like, huh, it's nice. <laughs> That's... Then you got to be like... <laughs> like welling up and yeah, right. <laughs> just bawling and stuff like that. It's like I don't want to look like a dick, so I gotta like <laughs> gotta squeeze a tear out. <laughs> yeah, I actually only saw like a groom cry once, you know, and I guess that's because uh, I think it was Tom Green when you know when what's his name uh, Drew Barrymore didn't show up at the wedding on SNL. If you remember that day, yeah, it's a little bit different. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I hope that I, it, I guess I would cry. If you know, I knock on wood, that doesn't happen to you. You're screaming out, you know. Oh yeah, no, because um. We're uh, we're we're getting married in Pennsylvania, and I'm driving, so <laughs> just no backing out of that. Yeah, I keep I keep my car keys on my person too, so there's, there's, she'll be hitchhiking. And, and if, you know what? At that point, that builds character, you know, in, yeah, in cabs. And if she's hitchhiking home, it, more power to you. Yeah. We, we don't have to get married at that point. You put in the effort. <laughs> all right, you guys. So you're hearing Drew is is not worried at all, and I'm looking forward to that day. So when we come back, we will talk. Um, Next podcast with you, we'll talk about the wedding, and you'll be, you know, not him pecked whatsoever. It'll be the same exact Drew that we we're leaving on this show with. Maybe we'll divorced by then. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, then, ladies, back on the market. Possibly, who knows? You know, it takes a while to like, you know, get back on your feet out there dating, right? You want to wait till like maybe like no cinco de mile before you really get back out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you, I, I don't think I would want to get back on my feet if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> Anything else happened this week for you, Drew, that's exciting to talk about before I get into my uh, um, shenanigans? I, I scammed a um, a liquor store out of expensive glassware. Oh, go that on. That was the best thing of my, my night. <laughs> so we were uh, looking at the wine selection and the champagne selection at this uh, this liquor store right? And uh, you know, for the wedding. And while we were in there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get myself a nice bottle of whiskey. Because mm. I haven't had hard liquor in quite some time, watching the old waistline, mm. I thought it might be a might be a good uh, good choice to get something that tastes good and is low calorie. So I, I uh, got myself a nice bottle of whiskey, and then that's when I realized I don't have any tumblers at home. So I went <laughs> to their glassware aisle. Everything was super expensive except for one box. Mm. It was like a nice little set. It had two tumblers and right. two um, 
of these little plastic things that make the globes of ice. I don't know what they're called. Uh-huh. Um, for 15 bucks. I was like, cool. Go to the checkout. Turns out it's $40. And that's when I'm like, all right. Uh, mind. <laughs> it, it was it was fifteen bucks. Slink right away, there. player. Slink away. Um, the manager goes over there, snatches up the price tag, throws it in the trash, and then changes it back to fifteen bucks. Hmm. Um, we get it home. My fiance used to work in uh, housewares retail industry. She goes, "These are like the best brand of glassware you could get." Uh-huh. I can't believe you got this for fifteen bucks. I felt good about myself. Well, actually, and I got drunk on whiskey after that. You found a, a store that, that that unlike other places, even the place I work at. When you go that whole store over there, said it was cheaper. Walk over there. Oh, actually, no, it was in the wrong place with all the other ones. But so we fucked up. But unfortunately, you got to play the right. Yeah, you and found I was, like, a, you I was found totally a really good expecting thing. that. Yeah. They just rolled right the fuck yeah. over. I didn't even have to like fight them. <laughs> it's that towering like look, uh, persona you have. That the one thing though is um, they actually did fuck up it because they had like a bunch of them in a in a row with mm-hmm. the price tag right there. So yeah, there was they were dead to rights. You can't say like the customers did it. Unfortunately, when it's nice and face as they call it, so that's where they got you. But. For us, we at my at my second job, we go through that all the time. But the problem is, it's like when you're on register and they dispute it, and you have to like leave a long line. I always take my time doing that with the most like you know apathetic you know, walk I could possibly do, and I'm just praying that I'm right. <laughs> and you get there and you see, uh, you see like you know, I bring the thing to them. I show them like, oh, that barcode doesn't match that barcode. <laughs> they're like, why would I be looking at that? And it's like, I, I don't know. That's what you got to do when you shop. You got to compare barcodes, my friend, not just prices. So, I win like eighty percent of the time when it happens, but that twenty percent is like shit. You know, looking around, the other thing to see how you can dispute how they're wrong, and it's like you just can't find it. But <laughs> I'm glad it worked out for you, man. It worked out great. <laughs> um, so for me this weekend, yesterday was my son's uh, third birthday party, or third he turned three. So we had a we couldn't afford like uh, get him a stripper, and Shakes the Clown was not available. So it's a shame. We ended and up having Bozo died. Yeah, we ended up, which we got to do tribute to him, I guess. We ended up having like a um, party at my mother in law's, like we did last year. The family comes over, you know, whatever, cake, food, things like that. And my son's actually having a birthday party. My other son is having a birthday party. He turns one in June, and my wife just informed me that apparently we have to throw parties for these kids every day, every year. Sorry, until they're in college. I'm like. Wasn't like that when I was a kid. That sounds very, very obnoxious. Right. I don't. I think um, when I was a kid, I definitely had a birthday party every year. There should be milestone ones. Like, okay, it's not like a party when you're seven, I'm okay. nine, and eleven. It's like, okay, I'm dude. Okay with parties for kids every year because they're kids. I'm not okay with parties for grown ass adults <laughs> every year. Yeah. Where you'll you'll be at a bar and then just a bunch of obnoxious people walk in with fucking sashes and like <laughs> props and balloons and just they're loud it's like So that's why you're not coming to my birthday party. Jillian, you're 33. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Go yeah, sit the fuck down. I, I'm having a 40th birthday and you will not be attending. 40 I guess is fine. you're talking You to can me. do it like every 10 years or so. That's now fine. it's 10 years once you get to a, once you get past 20 yeah, it's like do every, like 20 21 do 25. another one at 25 yeah. do one at 30 do one at 40 right that's, that's fine. what i'm doing but you know what the kids don't thing, do 37 don't do 26 fuck off Nobody. well I'm, I'm talking like these kids are like you know in their single digits so it's like i'm not too looking forward to that but 
I wouldn't want to throw a birthday party for my kid if they were like one or two. <laughs> well, that's what I have They're, to do. They don't fucking. They have no idea what's going on. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, you know, okay, everyone's like here in this room. Now I want to play with this toy. You can have a birthday when you stop shitting in your pants. Because <laughs> once you start caring about shitting in your pants, then you will most likely start <laughs> caring about having a birthday. Right. I should actually. Be, I, I'll lay that law down when my wife gets home. Like, nope. Sorry, the one year old is still pooping his pants. And, and also, being very you, disrespectful to me. If you do, if you do end up enacting that that rule in your house, you're gonna have to stop shitting in your pants if you want your fortieth <laughs> birthday party. Well, I thought that four days when you can start shitting your pants again. I'm I'm telling my oldest daughter, you know, that's those, what you're planning. That's I told my oldest daughter, those days are coming when you have to start shitting my diaper, and she's like, you know, you're gonna be in a home <laughs> settled. I'm like, no, you still have to come by and visit, right? Right. You're like, you don't have the money for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's call, an idle threat. Call your bluff. <laughs> I, I dare you. Um, if I remember this, I make sure you pay me back when that happens. Let me ask this, Drew, actually. Uh, some friends came over uh, to that party. And I've noticed that apparently, do you notice that with your friends now that we're getting older, they're changing? And I can elaborate They're very more. boring, I would imagine, right. is what you're getting at. Like not saying boring, but um, no CrossFit's like the new like you know cult that's happening. I think we talked about it before. I went to like a brewery last week, and everyone was talking about like that they do it and trying to convert me and my wife to, to it. My wife's already been turned to the cult as well. So if it's basically like if you watch the movie, um, um, I guess it's Rosemary's the, Baby. No, it's the uh, those those uh, the Shaun of the Dead guys. The second one. What's that movie called? Uh, Hot fuzz. Yes. Basically, they're saying, "Oh, go to the, it's greater, greater good, greater good." You know, yeah. go to CrossFit. Anyway, like you know, some people are doing that, but it's just everyone's talking about things or not doing the fun things anymore that we used to, like maybe three or four years ago. And it gets back to what you're saying that people are getting boring, or maybe it's like you look at yourself and you're like, "Dude, I'm gonna be hitting forty. Should I start changing?" No. <laughs> you know? And even you, Drew, sometimes when we talk about shows, you talk about like, I remember we get to into shows in 2008. And like now, ten years later, it's like there's things that you don't do anymore at concerts that you did ten years ago. Um, I um, here's the thing about CrossFit. Um, <laughs> we'll start with that. <laughs> <laughs> this is there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. Um, everybody, I feel like once you hit thirty, everybody, I don't know if they realize their mortality or what, but once you hit thirty, everybody has like a fitness regimen and like a diet that they got to fucking talk to you about. Yeah, you're you're out. You're trying to have fun. You got a drink in your hand. <laughs> You're you shooting higher one. No big deal. You did some. You did some meth in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so no, like, that oh, was... well, you know, I I I meal prep every Sunday. <laughs> and there's check out this picture of what I made. It's a yeah. bunch of fucking boring ass chicken or whatever. And you know, I go to the gym all the time. Did you try this like thing from GNC and blah? <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to fucking chill. I'm like trying. I don't need to hear about your shit. Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm also working out. Like I yeah. lost a bunch of weight already. I'm feeling better. It's awesome. I don't need to tell you about what I did to get there. Yeah. If I if it comes up in conversation, it's like, oh, you're looking good. I'm like, oh yeah, I lost twenty pounds. <laughs> cool. End of conversation. <laughs> if you ask me like, what did you do? Then I'll get into the nitty gritty. But like, it's not. Don't bring that shit up and don't tell people because it's boring right. and it's stupid. And I feel like it's almost like. I, I almost feel like um, born again Christians are less annoying at this point oh, than man, like people getting, yeah. that are like way too into like CrossFit or they're 
diet like keto or Atkins <laughs> or whatever the fuck, <laughs> South Beach. It's like, like I go to I go to church, no big deal. And the other guy's like, dude, you don't go to CrossFit. It's only one hundred seventy dollars a month. What are you doing? <laughs> here's here's what you got to do. Okay. <laughs> Not listen to your fucking ass right now. <laughs> I gotta walk away before I fucking fall asleep. Is yeah, what I gotta do. I think what I'm realizing is maybe everyone changes at some point. So should I just get new friends because the old ones can't hang out as much as more? And it's also me because you know the problem is I have the children, so I'm not as spontaneous as I used to be. But when I can schedule people in, you know, then it's like oh, then they're being too spontaneous to hang out with me. Um, I don't know if that happens to you ever since you're going to be married, that spontaneity, spontaneity apparently will shrink a bit, but you still can go out as much as you can with your wife. The only difference is you have to tell a person where you're going all the time, but I yeah. think you're already doing now. But. Yeah. And it's kind of fun, uh, funny cause, uh, I have to tell her where I'm going, but she never tells me shit. <laughs> so you're just waiting at yeah. five o'clock. She doesn't show I'm up. I'm like, Hey, where are you? You were supposed to be home like an hour ago. It's just like, Get off my ass, old she, man. She, she, Look, fucking, like, Let a bitch live. I got, <laughs> I got shit to do. Fuck, <coughs> fuck I'm, I'm out here living life. That's what I'm, what I'm doing, and where I was. These dicks are I mean, not going to suck themselves. <laughs> We're not married yet. God damn it. Um, yeah. So, no, no, no shade to anybody that's you no know, friends that are listening. I just well, I, mean, I, I woke, I woke up this morning having like a a, a mini panic panic attack. If that's even possible. You know, I'm just like, oh, my God, I need to. Ch- people are changing. and I'm not. What do I do? <laughs> no, no shade from you. Shit. Total shade from me. <laughs> OK, um, I, I feel like, you know what? It's a very small. It's mostly like acquaintances that do this shit to me and friends that I don't hang out with anymore. Yeah. Most of my friends that haven't changed much. It's it's cool. Yeah. I had an actual friend that flat out. I asked if he wanted to come to my party, and he's like, you know, hey, like, you know, I, I feel like this our friendship is because you're so busy all the time, and you never come visit me. I think we should just make a clean... I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you joking? Like, like, are we dating? Yeah, it was weird. He's like, and he left a long, he left a long text back and forth. Like, I'm not saying, like, we can't be friends anymore. If I see you, it's what up, it's cool. But, like, you know, you're busy all the time. I, you were supposed to come visit me two years, two years ago, and you didn't, and it didn't come. So I just think we should just not, like... Try to like you know be friends. I'm like, what is this? That's another thing that, that was been, so weird to me. But it's th- just that, him, I that think. sort of thing has been happening to me a little bit too. Oh, really? Where okay. where it's? I mean, nobody's been been coming out and, and like breaking up with me. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, definitely, like I've noticed some like animosity from certain people. Yeah, and it's just like we gotta hang out, man. Like, like I got friends that I will see. Like, I'll talk to them like every six months. Yeah. And it's like cool, and we have a great time, and we'll go out and be like, "Ah, oh, we should hang, do this more often." And it's like, yeah, if only we didn't have like work and shit. It's like, yeah, yeah so see you in another six months, I guess. Yeah, and it's fine. Then other people just like get offended if it's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't return your text message." Hmm. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what happens when we get to this point of our lives. You know, maybe everyone does that, and they get bitter about it, or they accept it. You know. Yeah, the the, the, the the solution is the same thing that my 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 parents did. You basically, basically all you kids right now that are listening to the show, younger, hang out all the time. You all gotta got get married and have children at the same time. That way, you can all party together, all have like you know the, the play dates together, and it never you never go astray. And don't forget, you can't move away. You know, other thing, if you have a job that requires you to move somewhere for a better life, your friendship is more important than that. So. 
I'm going to disagree because um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I had a I, you know I don't have the kids situation yet, but I have a friend who has friends who I'm only kind of like acquaintances with, right? And they're all getting married, and it becomes like kind of this weird cult thing where nobody wants to like party or do fun stuff. It's just like oh, there will be parties, yeah. They're not fun, though. <laughs> and, like, it's always, oh, the girls go off with the girls and the guys go off with the oh, guys. Okay. And then yeah. it's like, so, P90X, right? <laughs> and they all have the same conversations, but they're, like, segregated by gender. And it's yeah. fucking weird. And it's just very, like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm you're a little basically talking uh, about invasion the, of the body snatcher situation. Yeah. You're talking Stepford about the girls, the girls talking in the kitchen, the guys in the yeah. garage talking uh, about their, no. their, your, their cars like, and stuff. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a shame when that happens, and then you become that dude that's that you know. I don't know if you're already that. You said you're already that guy that goes to um, the Lowe's on Saturdays and wearing your khaki shorts and picking up like you know lumber. Like only because I have to. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I guess I'm afraid of becoming that, and that's why I try so hard not to change. But I try to. I only I only go to Home Depot uh, when I have to, and it's usually because something broke. <laughs> and I usually, uh, even if it's something important and it happens on like a Saturday, I'm like, oh, I'm not going fucking Saturday. I'll, no. I'll go Tuesday after work. Yeah, Saturday is that like, when you talk to people on Monday morning at work that they talk about how joyous it was to, you know, go run errands and do like yard work. You know? Yeah, it's like fuck that, dude. I don't want to be that guy. No, and I don't think you should. And I think uh, if you are, you're a sellout and a, and a fake. <laughs> Can't have that. And you should, you should fuck right should, off. Yeah, I should still be going to concerts when I'm in my 50s and trying to fucking stage dive and getting thrown out by bouncers. I feel like I go to more shows now than you I do, have in, yeah. in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, so enjoy that, man. It's, and plus, you got those uh, local shows you're always you're attending. So want to get more of Drew's shows. That'll be coming up with more podcasts. I love when Drew tells us about his adventures I at got, the concerts. I got some fun you know? ones yeah. coming up, too. Yeah, yeah. You got a lot to talk about when we come back, dude. That's going to um, be great. All right. I just finished my beer now. Do you mind? Um, well, goddamn. Yeah. I'm, 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 I got to get a lot of beer in me for this next part of the show, which um, I got a funny thing to tell you before we, we do it. I'm going to do my tribute. But um, if you look in the fridge right there in the bottom right Drawer. You want I, me to go get you a beer? Yeah, I want one of those um those um uh ginger beers. Okay, hang on a second. All right, I'll can this can this can this, this, can this <laughs> we'll mic not reach stretch? out over there? I'll talk. To I'm gonna part. I'm gonna stretch this mic over. I'm gonna give you a play by play. Oh, he's gonna do it. So we're going in the fridge right now. <laughs> it's going right, down the hall we there. Some, we got some baby food into we the got, s- cellar. <laughs> we have we have Coke Original Taste. Yeah, animals. You got animals in here. I get some Danimals. I think you gotta look at and the, Go-Gurts? <laughs> the the drawer. Damn it, the the the, the, the crisper the they call oh, it. Oh Jesus, this is the broken one. Speaking of Home Depot, <laughs> I think you need to get out there. <laughs> the, crisp, and, the crisper is a little uh, and uh, take care of the vegetable crisper. It is a nightmare. It well, looks like something died in there. If you've seen <laughs> for the folks at home, if you've seen the movie Seven. <laughs> The part where he goes into the apartment and there's just like jars of piss and like there's a dead guy that's all desiccated and uh That's and not as like that's not as bad stuff. as what you're seeing right now, what you're it's, saying. I'm yeah, this is a little the bit scarier than seven. <laughs> I, I regret taking this this uh <laughs> this I, I regret I regret taking you up on this. Okay. Well, I, it was fine until I saw the vegetable crisper. <laughs> What's in the which vegetable is, crisper? Which is a misnomer because there's no vegetables in there. It's just a bunch of 
bottles of beer and fucking <laughs> blood or something? It looks like blood. I think it might be blood. <laughs> well, you don't want to know, man. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer had nothing on me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's in the crisper? What's in the crisper? <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway. So we're going to do a little tribute to uh, <laughs> Sean before I do it. What's <laughs> funny? I'm watching one of the movies last night, um, and Manny's like, my 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 wife with Mrs. S is like, hey, why are you watching this? And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna rank the films. I'm like, it's like okay. And one of the, one of the movies I was watching one of those two pack where they put two in the same one, and she's like, oh, I love those. When you she, showed up to the Ernest thing with those three movies, yeah. like the three best Ernest movies in a pack, I'm like fuck, I should have bought this yeah. for the for the review. <laughs> saves those a lot of saves a lot of money. So she's like. So wait, obviously you're gonna say like the the second one's better than the first one. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's eight films. Her jaw dropped. She's like, there's eight fucking like Cheech and Chong movies. Like, wait, she thought the second one was better than the first one? No, she's like, you're gonna say the first one's better than the second one. So why is this ranking gonna work? And I was just like, uh, dude, there's like eight movies. What are you talking about? And she's like, there's eight films. What can they do for eight movies? <laughs> to be fair, not a lot. <laughs> yeah, and also, I don't think a lot of people saw most of those. Right. I remember as a kid. I thought that there was only um, three movies, right? The uh, you know, Up and Smoke, uh, Still Smoking, and um, Next Movie. Okay. And then I would be at home just jerking on off. a on a Saturday jerking off, <laughs> and like I need a, I need a break from this. I'm getting chafed, <laughs> and it's turn on the TV, and it's just like, oh, here's a Cheech and Chong. Like they got another movie. <laughs> Yeah. And it just kept coming. I until you said right now that they have eight movies, I did not know they had eight. I thought they had about six. Okay, so that's what's fair about that what she said. But it was kind of like her reaction that she's shocked that they actually greenlit more movies by them. It's just I like... think they were shocked too. <laughs> right. I think they're like, "Fuck it, let's ride this thing for as long as we can." All right, so gotta get a good intro for this. So you guys are ready for this uh, tribute? So everyone, sit back, relax, because this one. <laughs> It's for the fans. Now, when it comes to comedy duos, most of them come in pairs. You got Abbott and Costello, Beavis and Butthead, Drew and Jarrell, Drew and Jarrell, uh, Coast and Larry, and uh, you know Balky. But I actually forgot his name until he said it. <laughs> but none of them, those guys, had the unquenchable lust for weed and psychedelic drugs. Although I'm not really sure about Beavis, I have to actually. Do some more fact checking on him, but there are two guys who found like success during like the hippie free love era of the seventies, and that was Richard Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong, also known as Cheech and Chong. His name was Richard. Yeah, you know, you know, Mexicans have Richard as a name. Do they? <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't know a lot of Mexicans to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to go to uh, Home Depot more often then. Um, All right, that was a little racist. <laughs> Do we have a sound effect for some, for, for racist <laughs> jokes? <laughs> All right, so the comedy albums uh, that they released, the stand-up routines, and like the uh, the movies that we're going to talk about, that took the world by storm in the seventies and eighties. And then the, actually, a little backstory on these guys: they actually met in the late sixties because uh, Chong was running a strip club strip club in uh, uh, Vancouver in Canada, and. Um, Cheech met him there because he was running away from the uh, the draft at the time. So he moved from California up to um, Canada. Like. These illegal aliens coming in to the U.S. Taking, <laughs> Leaving the U.S. as well. <laughs> t- taking our jobs. Yeah. Um, they uh, When they met, they began performing routines, uh, comedy routines, which led to them releasing comedy albums. Like the first two albums they did release 
were nominated for Grammys, but by the third album, they actually won a Grammy. That um, that movie, that album was called uh, Los Cochino. Co- yeah, I guess I said it right. That won the Close best. Enough. That won the best comedy album of the uh, of the Grammys that year. So by the late seventies, the two branched out into films, and then by nineteen eighty seven, Cheech left Chong to pursue his uh, career in the mainstream films. You might remember uh, Cheech was actually on the show Nash Bridges. You might also know his voice work from like Disney films like Oliver and Company and uh, The Lion King. Name a few. And you may also remember Chong was arrested for selling bongs through his company Chong Glass in 2003. And he served nine months in jail. Low hanging fruit feds. Right. Um, So they actually reunited in 2008 and they uh, did like a comedy tour. And now they make appearances on stage and other shows like uh, Doug Benson's uh, show, Getting Doug on High, or that Netflix show that's out now, uh, Disjointed. They made a cameo on that once. So, um, Drew, you said that you're not really a fan of their of their of their work. I remember we talked off the air before. I'm a fan of their work. I'm not a fan of their movies. Okay, so you like the comedy? Um, I think they're their albums. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I'm not even that familiar with their their albums. I know that Up and Smoke was solid. I assume they wrote it sober, and that's why. <laughs> um, and still smoking was solid. The framing sequence around like the actual like performances was kind of weird and unnecessary. Mm. But like their their like live uh, yeah. sketches and what have you, pretty funny. Okay, so this was going to be good because what we're going to do for for you guys out there that since it's being f- that is four twenty, I assume like some of the potheads out there, you know want to get some movies and one one thing you guys should not forget about these guys is that they will be dead someday. So we got to attribute them now. Probably should have old as shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I decided that'd be a good idea. Like for you pies out there that want to get baked and watch some movies, especially some movies of their own. What I'm going to do is a bet. It's a good time as ever to attribute them by ranking their films from worst to best. Now for this list, only movies that star both of them together qualify. So we're not going to talk about Born in, in East L.A. or the Evil Bong franchise films. <coughs> if that's all right with you, Drew. Speaking of, have you seen the Evil Bong movies? I have not. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> but I, was, I, just figured, I was hoping, maybe I should do a binge or cringe of the Evil Bong yeah, movies. Yeah, you should do that. So, all right, you guys. There are eight movies from Cheech and Chong that they did together. And here they are from worst to best. So... If there's any movie that you saw, Drew, that I, I, I guess you said you saw a few of them. You yeah, can, you seen, can, you can uh, I've actually only on seen three and like, well, a total of maybe four or five. A lot of those movies I've only seen like a quarter or a half of, so okay, three in, in total. Well, then that's fair then. That way you can actually say like what you think of the certain ones. So coming in at number eight as the worst Cheech and Chong movie I've seen is the 2013 film Cheech and Chong's animated movie. <clears throat> now this is actually an 80 minute film featuring the boys as cartoons and they use actually flash animation for it so horrible right there um that only works for happy tree friends not for them that actually sounds delightful uh let me go on then uh the movie begins with like a, a canadian body crab living inside like a girl's vagina he smells weed on chong who's like passing by hitchhiking and then cheech drives by he gets in the car with them the body crab proceeds to follow them where they go, the boys go to like a drive-in. They uh, go home, watch TV. They go to court. They sell drugs at a coffee shop, and then they go to space, all while being high as a kite. You know, now that might sound awesome to you, right? 
But I'm sorry, act, body crab? Yeah, like a, you know, like a, a transmitted disease, basically. Oh, pubic louse. Okay, that works too. They'll be... I don't think they're called body crabs. <laughs> I was thinking of like a, like one of those. It's literally that... a crab that won the body, though. That's the way they draw it, you know. Oh, all right. I guess um, that makes more sense. So while they're always hot, you think to yourself, "That sounds funny," but this is not actually a movie. What actually it is is they've taken all their their um, routine sketches or on their comedy albums and and uh, animated them. So it's, it just jumps from one thing to the next. So basically, you'll see like something like Ralph and Herbie when they they're actually their dogs at one time, and they're they have animated dogs that look like them. And they're they're doing something outside. Then it cuts to another thing like a let's make a dope deal, and it cuts to another thing like Sister Mary Elephant. So it's just different things happening. It's not a it's not a linear movie. Why can't they just do um like like an anthology movie? Why do they always have to have this weird framing device? Yeah, they so that's the problem, and and basically. Since Cheech and Chong did all the voices on the, the albums, it's, they do all the voices to every character in this movie. Um, I can imagine that being funny, but why do you need the the crabs like hanging out and fucking? It, it didn't make any sense. Like, it's a, it, every time the crab would appear, trying to like he smelled the weed, he chased him down, and then something happened where he gets derailed from like getting high with not necessary. Like um, so some stoner comedies like don't require you to be high, but to enjoy it, but it helps. And then there are some stoner comedies that are only funny if you are high. And this movie is neither. Um, <laughs> it's utter lack of like originality is what makes it worse than the fact that the plot was so random. Plus, it is so unfunny. Like, And not only was this completely unnecessary, but because it, it like took 28 years for them to do a follow-up to like the previous film that they did together. Now this the the movie The Nine Lies of Fritz the Cat is no longer the worst adult on the animated movie that I've seen. So that's that bad, dude. Do not see that movie. Damn. Uh so coming in at number seven is Cheech and Chong Still Smoking from nineteen eighty three. And they play like slightly fictional versions of themselves. They travel to Amsterdam to like uh com- and they're convinced to perform their live act on stage when the actual talent Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton they don't show up, so they're like, oh, we need you guys. So they, they go on stage. So the first hour of this movie is them, like, farting around and, like, in Amsterdam. And, like, she gets raped by a man while, you know, they show clips of, like, animals, like, doing it. And the rest of the film is pretty much the last 20 minutes is them doing st- a stand-up of them. Them doing stand-up um, on stage in Amsterdam, like, a year before. They just took that footage and put it at the end. Um, So... With the first half, I was a little bit intrigued with all the political incorrectness, which includes like Chong and like a playing like an old black like blues singer in complete blackface, you know, and the scene where like both the guys play like stereotypical homosexuals in a steak segment, I think was called like fag wars. I like this. I'm intrigued by that, you know, how, you know, insensitive the movie is. So that first half was 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 a tolerable, but it was really similar to like the animated movie. Where, like, you know, it's random sketches, like, throughout the whole thing that they've done before. That they're reenacting, and it's got no point, and there's no plot going on. So, after, like, four of the previous films, I think we all want to see, like, a movie that has a storyline, you know. And even if we wanted to see, like, a stand-up film, like, not not for nothing, Drew and you guys out there, but I think, like, Cheech and Chong's material is a bit dated nowadays. So, like, who wants to watch two men 
on all fours, like acting like dogs, like on on stage. Why is that funny? So <clears throat> this movie is so bad in some cases. It's actually sold like with another movie because you know there's no way someone's going to buy it by itself. So they got to package it in with like a better film to get you to purchase it. And I'll get into the movie they actually put it in with later. So you've seen it. You said it's okay. I have seen I it. Don't, still I don't. It's. It's. I feel like all the shit. With them going to Amsterdam, that should be cut down dramatically or just removed entirely. Because there's one bit, and granted, I haven't seen this movie in at least 10 years. There's one bit where they show up and it's just like, oh, Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. You're... And they have like this bit of confusion. And it's like, oh, it's supposed to be about Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, it's us. <laughs> and, like, and it's like, that's fine. But then they drag that shit out and then they're like just dicking around for the whole thing. It's actually amazing how a movie with Cheech and Chong in Amsterdam could be that boring. Yeah. How can they, they pulled it off. It's but amazing. But then like they'll, they'll have sketches that are pretty decent. Yeah. It just doesn't... Granted, I'm sure they are dated because, and I can't say for sure because I, I haven't seen it in a while, but they, I remember them being relatively funny. I actually forgot about Tommy Chong and Blackface. <laughs> That sketch is pretty solid just because of his impression of a jazz uh, blues singer. Yeah. It's it's really spot on where he's just like, hey, man, it's just a. Yeah. You could play this all again. <laughs> yeah, it's I'll give him that. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, yeah. I'll give him that. That's why the first, like, the last 20 minutes is like, you had nothing. And the wrestling sketch was great with the guy, with the invisible, the invisible man. man. Yeah. Oh, and you, 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 uh, wasn't uh, wasn't Cheech Marin in, in Yellowface during that sketch too? You didn't you didn't mention that where he was like playing a sumo wrestler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know he was. It was that like blatant, but it was just like the Invisible Man thing. It didn't look like they were really wrestling an invisible person. It looked like they were pretending. Yeah, and then there. it turns into just a series of dick jokes. Yeah, yeah. It, then it's tricks. like really lowbrow stuff, but it's kind of fun. Mm, it's why it's my number seven, my friend. I'm sorry. Uh, so coming in at number six. And then I feel like this, now at the point is people are going to be like hating me when I say this, but hear me out. Number six is uh, the movie Nice Dreams from 1981. Now, before you guys like come to the studio and burn the place down, let me explain why I rank this so low. Um, so this movie is uh, they're running an, they're running an ice cream truck that's like actually a front so they can sell stolen weed, and the police are already onto them. So like the the police are like staking them out, and they spend the whole like movie driving around. While they run around, while they're running into like eccentric uh, characters throughout the film, they had like a premise, but no pro- no plot. That was the problem. Now, for the most part, I ev- think that's their problem yeah. with most movies. Yeah, for the most part, uh, the past uh, every mo- every scene involves like random people acting crazy, which goes on for like way too long. So it's like uh, ad libbing overload. That's the problem. Um, it's cool to see Stacy Keach like perform come come back because he's like acting. He's like a pothead um, police sergeant because he's in the previous movies that we'll get into. But it's cool that they brought him back, and the film finally culminates with like them breaking into like a nut house where Chon- uh, Cheech is actually mistakenly um, like committed. And some of like the the patients in there, we get Paul Rubens and uh, Michael Winslow who does like a dead on Jimi Hendrix impression, which you know of course he does. And some may be offended by Cheech because at some part in the movie in the middle, he decides to, like, you know, have sex with his, like, coked up girlfriend who passed out. But she wakes up in the middle of it, so I guess it's okay. Obviously. Also, it was the 70s. So. <laughs> well, that's the 81, so it's. it's yeah, same it, thing. Yeah. So, obviously, 
they were making up the scenes as they go. So that's my problem with the movie. It's it's ran. It's not random, but it's like it feel like when when a scene happens, it's like uh, then we'll do this, yeah, and then they'll do it, and then they'll just be going back and forth. Like I said, so it's just I don't like that. I think that's my problem with with most of their movies is they it's like too schizophrenic. Like they're really they're they can come up with a solid sketch. But if you give them ninety minutes, they don't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. And they'll come. They'll be like, "Oh, hey, what? How about we do this in this one scene? Okay, cool. That's funny. Where do we go from here? <laughs> uh, I don't know. We'll just have some lady come in and be weird and like." <laughs> right. That's the whole problem with that movie. So, <clears throat> coming in at number five, right? Yes, number five. We got the movie "Get Out of My Room" from nineteen eighty five. This is actually a, uh, the shortest movie that they've done because it's only about fifty minutes long. And it's a mockumentary with like fake interviews with Cheech and Chong and other people as they attempt to create a music music videos for like the songs from their last album at the time, which was named the same thing, Get Out of My Room. So if you thought the Spinal Tap movie was the, the best fake documentary about a pseudo music group, you're right. But <laughs> this movie is still pretty funny. You know, the interviews are like both fake and like believable at the same time that based on what they ask him because some of the interviews they ask him they're like they'll say some interviewer is obviously you know fake like you know rob reiner was in the other movie but then when they answer some questions they laugh about it sometime and their their answers are kind of like organically funny so it's like it blurs the line really well between like you know staged and like you know believable and there are some cameos in this movie like elvira you know is in there remember her yeah. Okay. You got Beverly Lee James. How could I forget? Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo's in the movie. Remember her? <laughs> She's in the movie. A couple of Playboy Playmates, are, to name a few, they they do go with that. One of the music videos in, is in the, in this movie is uh, Cheech's biggest hit song, Born in the East L.A. And some would actually say the video is better than the actual movie of the same name. You know, so. And those people saying that would be Jerome. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it, actually. I wouldn't say that. But I've read that. Born East LA, the movie people have said that the music video was enough. You know? <laughs> um, my favorite part of this, um, of this movie is they have a video for a, a song on the album called "Love Is Strange," and that song's like a like this bizarre '80s pseudo uh, psychedelic new wave song. Have you heard of song before? No. Okay, it's like it's really it's really good. It's got like old school break beats that you hear in the '80s synthesizers and like you know sampled infectious bass lines all. While Cheech is attempting to like ask a girl over the phone, so it's like spoken word, like that they, um, I guess auto tune his voice a little bit, like put effects on it. Mm. It's a really good song, and they have like these aliens walking around like as big eyeballs, and it makes no sense walking around like the whole the whole town. But timeless eighties video, you gotta see this this one. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube; it's a great video. So, um, <coughs> so which is better? Get out of my room, Spinal Tap. Or CB4. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about CB4. Uh, basically, uh, you said it in the reverse order of the best. It's basically Spinal Tap's the best one. CB4 is second. This one's third. But, you know, they only have 50 minutes, so they didn't have much time. There's a lot of meandering here and there. That's what you get of a Cheech and Chong movie. But it's, be- it's the best meandering they've done in a long time. <laughs> um, all right. It's coming in at number four. This will be a shock to you guys. All the number four movies, 1984 film, The Course... The Corsi, uh, Cor- Corsican, Corsican brothers. It's actually they're actually real brothers, right? Uh, not real. Not I mean I thought they were named after something, but Corsican. 
I think so. Corsican Brothers. So unlike their other films, this isn't a stoner's film. It's a, and it's rated PG instead of rated R. Jesus. Although, I'm sure it would have been rated PG-13 if they had that rating at the time. So it's really adult humor, but it's very... Um, they don't curse in it, but they're really sexual jokes throughout the film. Um, I think you said you saw this one before, right? If you want to refresh your memory, basically... I've seen bits of it. It's... um. It takes place during like the the Renaissance period in France, and Chi and Chong are play like biological brothers who can like literally feel each other's pain, and they attempt to like you know overthrow like an evil monarchy. Um, the movie has the humor and sexual innuendos of a film like Princess Bride or the Robin Hood Men in Tights. In a bit of like a role reversal, Chong's character is like a brave, intelligent uh, swordsman. While Cheech's character is like cowardly and not too bright, and most of the comedy involves one brother getting like drunk or slapped or burned or whipped, while the other feels all the repercussions. So that's that sounds like something that would get old real quick. It depends. It pops up out of nowhere sometimes. You don't even know what's happening to the other character, and then someone will be talking, and then you'll be like, "Ow!" Like, what's wrong with him? And they'll cut back to the other person. He's getting like you know whipped or raped or something like that, and like you know, oh. That's kind of funny. I wasn't expecting that. I think this film is actually there. Uh, the it's better than when their movies center around like dr- drugs, but this one is decent Saturday afternoon flick. You know, if it's on a Saturday, you're not doing anything in the afternoon. If you absolutely have nothing better yeah, to do, watch it. It's, it's it's good. A lot of people say they don't like it because it strays from like the the drug path, but I thought it was a really co- co- cohesive storyline. All I would have did differently was cut off the beginning and end where it's like a s- setting up. For that flashback to the story and ending with like you know the present time, it didn't have any point. Other than that, it was good. All right, we're coming in the home stretch, coming in at number three. Uh, really surprise film uh, that I guess you haven't seen either, Drew. It's called Things Are Tough All Over from 1982, and Cheech and Chong play like two struggling musicians who work at a car wash, which they own by. Which is owned by two Arabs who are also played by Cheech and Chong. In the oh, begin- do they do, they do brownface? <clears throat> yes. Oh, fantastic. Hardcore. The beginning of the film takes place in Chicago during the winter. You can tell because that when they shot the movie, it was freezing cold at that time because you see their breath the whole time. Snow everywhere. Um, after some hilarious mishaps involving them driving a pimp's car through a car wash with the top down. And Cheech, and, and Cheech taking off his pants and getting stuck in a dryer in the laundromat to avoid getting arrested, which has happened to all of us. Let's admit it. I think I might have seen half of this. Yeah. Um, the Arabs use them to, like, drive a, the, a limousine to Vegas. Unbeknownst to them, one of the seats is filled with thousands of dollars of Arabian money, of, of cash that the Ara- Arabians are trying to laundry. Or launderer, as that's how you say it. <clears throat> The boys give the seat away to like a local gas attendant when they can't afford to pay for the gas. And when their heirs find out that the limo showed up without the money, they spend the rest of the film trying to like hunt them down in Vegas strip or like that in the desert. And of course, their portrayal of the Arabs is extremely racist, like like Drew said, but it's nineteen eighty two, so what do you want? <clears throat> While stranded in the desert, Cheech and Chong are are um they're 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 rescued by the prop comic Rip T- Taylor. You remember you know him? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> he spends Boy, like that the, comes out of nowhere. Yeah, he picks him up and he spends like the entire ride back to uh, to Vegas, telling like corny puns and, and just showing throwing. Off, yeah, showing off like the carrot top esque like props. 
and throwing she, confetti everywhere. Yeah, Cheech is like annoyed, and Chong is is crying from like or is from like you know he think he's laughing, but he's actually crying from like the humor. But I was laughing my ass off, like you know Rip Taylor. I didn't know he was so goddamn funny. Like, you know, he, he just saying just constant one liners, and then you just kind of crack up at something because it's like you know he's good. And also surprisingly, a young Dave Coulier is in a restaurant towards Yen making faces at a drugged out paranoid Chong. And he is only on camera for about 15 seconds, and he is funnier than anything he's done in Full House or his stand-up put together. So that was actually... Not saying a lot. Yeah. David Cooley, Dave Cooley peaked <clears throat> in 1982. You know, that's, that's, that's what made the movie bump up to number three for me. That was like, if you can make that guy that funny in like that little amount of time, yes, this is a great film. Uh, all right. So here's, here's a little bit off topic. Um, but it's a question that I think the the uh, listeners at home want to know about. Is it less racist when people of color put on black and brown face? Yes. <laughs> I'll just, speaking, for, speaking for all the, the brown faces out there, I'll say yes, it's less racist. Because is, is it less racist when a uh, Chicano and a Asian slash whatever else Tommy Chong is? Uh... I think what, what makes it work for them is when they can, at first, you don't even know it's them. Like like Tommy Chong when they show him as the heir, but it's like it looks like some guy. Then it cuts to Cheech, and you know it's Cheech. So then you're like, "Oh shit! If that's Cheech, go back!" <laughs> like, Holy shit, that was really good. Like I could, so you're amazed for a second. Then the racism settles. And then in. you're like, "Oh, that's right." But then you look on the back of the, the movie, and you see the date. You're like, "Oh, okay, that's all okay." Yeah, I mean, this was pre C. <laughs> Thomas Howell and Soul Man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what killed Blackface. <laughs> Dead. That goddamn like. This is, I mean, this is in poor taste. We can't be doing this anymore. (laughs) All right, you guys. Coming at number two is uh, uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie from 1980. And it's a very funny sequel. Mostly random shenanigans happen in the first half. Get like them siphoning the gas out of a... out of a car with like a full garbage can full of garbage. I remember that. Great scene. Chong tries... uh, tricks Chong... Chong tricks Cheech into snorting a soap that he thought was coke. That was good to see. Uh, they write two songs called Mexican Americans and Beaners, which is hilarious. And, of course, the welfare office scene where Cheech molests his girlfriend while Chong sits in the waiting room with, like, the eccentric Michael Winslow and a randomly old laughing old man. All a material comedy right there. However, halfway through the, f- the film, the boys part ways and Cheech awaits at the house for his girl to come by while Chong goes to a hotel to pick up Chong's uh, upbeat Texas cousin, Red, and who was also goes, played by Cheech. Yeah. All goes downhill from here. Um, I will say the two go off on their own adventure. It involves mayhem, like going to a day spa, which is also a brothel, ruckus at like a, mu- a music shop. And a riot at the comedy uh, club. Um, all while they're only carrying a boombox and a duffel bag full of weed. Now, Drew, you said it goes downhill after that. And I think the problem I had is I think Tina Chung are better when or when the chemistry between them is funny as opposed to Chong interacting with like a stereotypical redneck. Um, even though it is Cheech he's playing it, but he's not himself. So we, I want to see them together running the streets, not like... Cheech acting like a like this like up uppity like you know not uppity but like uh like out there like redneck I didn't like that I at like all. Cheech Marin's <clears throat> characters I think he's generally funny mm-hmm. like 
from Dust Till Dawn. That was one of the best yeah. parts where he just plays like 85 people in that movie. Uh-huh. And he's like got a different character each time you see him. Yeah. That's fun. It doesn't really work in these movies because you're expecting that interplay between those two, between Cheech and Chong. Yeah. You want those two like stoner characters that they're known for playing off of each other. When he just comes in as like a, what is he like an oil baron or like yeah yeah and he's like oh I got I I got kind of dumb know, I got yeah it's it's the, what they, what they were doing was was okay but it just it didn't work for as well as the first half I'm saying but you put that character into from Dustal Dawn if if there yeah. was just like an aside where they come across that character in that movie yeah gold yeah so uh, plus we we cut when it cuts back to like Cheech like alone in the in the house waiting for his girl the movie like drags at that point as well. So he needs like to be with Chong as well. So obviously the second half of the film doesn't compare to the first, but I thought the first half was so goddamn funny. It makes up for the at plus. How often do you get to see Pee Wee Herman call a cop a fucking asshole? That was like surprisingly out of his mouth. often. I feel like <laughs> really, yeah. He gets pretty blue when he's not Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yeah, well, he was Pee Wee Herman later in the movie. Oh, was he? Yeah. I don't even remember that. Yeah, the comedy club, he comes out as Pee Wee Herman, and then he recognizes them, and then he gets mad, and he calls some bouncer, and he's cursing at them, too. So I was just like, you know, I thought... Maybe that, I gotta I, watch that movie yeah, again. I remember, I saw that movie when I was about 15, and I thought it was hilarious. I'd only seen Up and Smoke at this point. Mm. I thought it was hilarious, and then the, that middle part where they split up comes in, and I could barely finish it. Yeah. So, as you can hear... Um, <clears throat> Drew kind of spoiled the number one movie, which is uh, Up in Smoke from 1987, 1978. Their first film, Best of the Best. Includes, one includes, of the best comedy yeah. movies ever made. Yes, in my top five comedy films of all time. Uh, the boys first meet up for the first time. They go get high, go to like a court, court. Somehow they get the case thrown out. Then they decide to start a band. So they end up in Mexico where they have to drive a van back to the States. The van is like made entirely of marijuana, which they don't know. Unfortunately, the narcotics unit led by Sergeant uh, Tadik Sedenko from uh, Stacey Keish from his first time with them before. This is before he turned into like a full-fledged pothead in the movie Nice Dreams. He's leading the uh, narcotics team and does does know about the band. So him and his like inept like team spend like the film hunting down the duo as they narrowly escape every time. And this leads to Lim playing at the Battle of the Bands in the Roxy Theater in uh, Hollywood at the end. Cheech comes out in his uh, ballet tutu, and the band performs a song, Arachi Miai, which the audience loves, and the rest is history. They drop from the sunset to get into more shenanigans. Not only is this like the best uh, film by them, but it's believed to be the pioneer for stoner comedies. Apparently, there's been no stoner comedies before that movie came out. I think the the best part of that movie is... That they don't even know they're being pursued, right? Like they get deported, and it's it's almost like one of those those movies where it's just like there's like a baby loose or like a dog loose, and they just like keep narrowly like miss like getting <laughs> killed. Yeah, and it was like like that, but before that, so they're just like driving around and like. <laughs> they accidentally like you know get some nuns in trouble at the, yeah, border, the border, and then they like drive through in the confusion. They're just like oblivious to it. <laughs> it's like the same bit over and over again, but it works every single time. <laughs> or when I say like the, the cop that, that pulls him over, the bike cop, and the the, the, the van's like smoking yeah. weed, and he walks up to him, he's like, you know, hey, what's up? What are you doing? And they're like, 
I don't know what it's driving. <laughs> like, got a hot dog? Can I have that? <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous there's stuff, so, but it's so, so many funny. Good bits. Yeah. Um, I think that I think what sets this apart, though, and you mentioned it earlier, this is the I think the only movie that they made where there was a premise and also a plot. Yeah, things happened. There's an overarching story. Yeah, they meet, they start a band, <laughs> they get deported, they come back to the U.S. They get to play the battle of the bands, then they play the battle of the bands. Done. Yeah, like it actually has an arc, <laughs> and other things. Ha- then they put the jokes in. Whereas I feel like the other movies, they're like, I got an idea for a joke. Yeah. All right, we'll put that here. What? <laughs> All right, so how are we going to tie this together? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I got a cousin or something, and the cousin comes by. <laughs> All right, well that'll that'll yeah. work for this part. Like it's it 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 feels like it was well written. Yeah, that's what I, they, they they blew their load in the first movie for the most part. But yeah, that's the be- that's my list. That's the best to worst of them all, or worst to best, I should say. So. Um, signing off for you guys, uh, Jin Chong. I want to say thank you for. You're uh, blessing us with your brand of adult humor. Uh, uh, Your cannabis comedy is loved by all like stoners everywhere. And you guys were truly far out, man. And I'm done. Thank you. Well, we're not done completely yet. I'm done with that. that, Yeah, true. I just want to say for you guys that are, if you want to know the secret to how my list worked, um, basically... It went from movies, worst movies that if you smoke to, not funny, to movies that better if you get high to it during, to like movies that, you know, you could watch sober and high. So that's how I ranked. That's why I put, if when you're asking like, why'd you put certain ones so low? That's the reason. You obviously had like, you know, the weed goggles on. So that's probably why you loved it so much. But yeah. I feel like any of those movies can be funny if you're high. No. No, an anime movie, nothing will work. Have you tried that? Have I tried that? Yeah, the first time I watched, I was high. Oh, okay, I uh, allegedly. Really, we got to try that again, allegedly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I think um, actually, nice dreams. I was not stoned for. Maybe I, but just watching, I could tell. Like you know, this I I would not watch it again sober. You know, that's the way I'm looking at it. But I think if someone asked me, like, the ones I put further down the list, but not all the way down, like, maybe, like, numbers numbers six and seven. If someone asked me, hey, you want to watch this? I want to watch it. I haven't seen it before. I'd be like, okay, you got any weed? <laughs> <laughs> and then they say no, and you're like, no deal. No deal. <laughs> no dice. No, no dice, my friend. <laughs> all right, you guys. Trying to get some reviews now. You ready? I got to <coughs> constantly clear my throat. I'm sorry about this. You know? <laughs> I actually was feeling better yesterday, and then today, once Drew showed up, you know, I started getting the cough again. I'm uh, I'm a plague bringer. Yeah, I you, have plague. That's all right, Carrier. though. We're gonna do our best, and maybe if I get drunk enough, I won't like worry about. Once it. you get drunk enough, then then this will go by very smoothly. I feel mm-hmm. like, at least for you. Yes, we'll, the listeners at home may may feel They're otherwise. Like, and then the next album was like death, and not that that's all time. Did you say drunk or brain damage? <laughs> Both, kind of, in a way. All right, first up, we guys, we're going to review the new one from Andrew WK. His album's called You're Not Alone. <clears throat> Singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, producer, writer, TV and radio personality. He does it all. And this is his fifth studio album. Most of you might know him from his uh, rock heavy metal album from 2001, the debut album, I Get Wet, thanks to like the 
monstrous party classics get party hard i was gonna say get hard sorry party hard and the single she is beautiful you may be wondering how you missed all the albums in between from then to now so here's a little background about every release that came out between 2001 and this one we're talking about 2003 the album the wolf was a more softer rock album unlike the debut not only did it show andrew could write music that's insightful with the lyrics but he also played all the instruments on the album by himself pretty amazing with that uh the album was successful but not as uh, rem- uh recognized as the sound on i get wet so that was the problem with that the next album we put out in 2006 close calls with brick brick walls featured a traditional rock and less streaming vocals very polarizing reaction from critics and fans only released in japan and korea and it was not actually released worldwide until 2010 weird yeah so he's big in japan for some reason then, like Uncle Jesse. <laughs> then in 2009, the album he released, the fourth one called 55 Cadillac, was actually an instrumental New Age rock album that mostly featured piano solo interpretations and improvisations. That one may have been under your radar a bit. <laughs> that sounds fucking unbearable, I gotta be honest. Yeah. Uh, so in between releasing records, Andrew was has written articles for like The Village Voice and AB Club, produced and done guest vocals on several artists' albums, hosted shows on MTV and VH1, and opened a nightclub in Manhattan. So this guy has been busy. uh, closed down a few years later. Yeah, true. Uh, Thanks for reminding us that. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to highlight his successes and Drew's right to tear him down. I mean, you should have seen that coming, though. (laughs) Yeah. Nightclub in Manhattan? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, it's NWK, you assume it'd be like, oh my, the line would be down the block. Only if you got like a $50 cover. Yeah. Um, so as you guys can hear, with any NWK album, you never know what kind of sound to expect. But if you're hoping for another I Get Wet, spoiler alert, abandon all hope now. Instead, we get 13 tracks of uplifting piano lace rock tunes that range from sonically inspired power ballads to stuff you'd expect to hear during a workout montage in the 80s movie. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I did have trouble rating this album because I always kept asking, is this serious or some very committed joke he's doing? That's a good question to ask. Yeah. So um, I'll just dive into some songs that I, I, I noticed a comparison to another sound. Songs like Music is Worth Living For and the song The Devil on Your Side. They kind of have like this glam rock and occasional falsetto vocals you expect to hear from a band like The Darkness. Um, whereas like a track like party mindset, mindset and, uh, total freedom and even the song keep on going, like have like a post punk new wave vibe, which Andrew's vocals sound reminiscent of Dave Bowie. Now, did you notice that at all? Especially with the song, um, total freedom that he's sounding a lot like Dave Bowie or any other artist that you picked up on. No, I felt like he sounds like himself, but kind of, um, not powerful. And I think that was one the first thing I noticed uh, and continued to notice through the rest of the album is it is really not very thick. Like, the production kind of sucks on it. Really? Yeah. 
now that you read off his entire discography, I realize I'm not that familiar with him. Um, <laughs> I only really know I can't <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so and like, I haven't ever heard that album in its entirety. That's why this um, review helped you guys out there, because if you're like Drew, and like myself in a way, it's like you want that same thing, and that's what he tore is doing mostly. But he's not doing that on this album. That was a really heavy album. Yeah. Like, not musically, but like the way it was produced. It was very thick and yeah. just dense and hard mm-hmm. um it was kind of like a soft rock album but it was produced really well and his vocals were very like yeah commanding yeah exactly um and this album is just kind of very thin and kind of wispy mm-hmm. and his I, I realize on this album he's not much of a singer <laughs> well yeah he's more of like a a, a talker it will get he needs a like a lot of effects on his vocals to be any like very good at all and i don't even think he was like going for like i want to sound like david bowie he was just singing and it was like oh you don't have like a ton of effects on your vocals that's the that's the yeah. problem here that's yeah. why you don't sound like yourself so i guess you're saying you didn't want you didn't you didn't uh pick up that he's influenced by anything it's just he just blah putting it out like that he's just like here like yes yeah. lightly tossing it to you uh okay i'll say that i I think some songs on here did have kind of an old school NWK sound. Yeah, there were a couple, but not like, many. Yeah, the ones I can think of is the song I Don't Know Anything. It's got like kind of a punkier, hard rock tune. <clears throat> uh, the song The Party Never Dies has a very uh, mid-tempo pace, but very uh, commanding vocals. I'll, I will say his vocals do seem commanding on some song, but nowhere near on his first album, but, but I guess that's what some people are hoping for. I thought that song was actually would be a good opener for a show. The party never dies. Um, I just want to say, actually, the party songs to me seems like they're not telling you not about a literal party. It's more about the um, the metaphoric sense of like a party being living life. Because I think that you are only trying to read something into this album <laughs> that. Because they are so jarring. So you're like, well, clearly it's not a bunch of songs about partying and then a bunch of songs about not killing yourself. Because who would do that? <laughs> no, I think he did that. I think okay. that was the point. And I feel like all those songs about partying come off forced where he's like, well, I got to put some songs about partying on here because that's what I'm known for. So Right. I agree with that. But you think the song was about literally a party? Yes. It doesn't even make you want a party when you hear it. No, of course not. <laughs> so I guess. Now, that gets to the point, like, um, which is funny. Like, there's three tracks in this album where it's, like, spoken, like, uh, affirmation words, like, about a minute of him talking. Like, you can do it. Now, what's funny about that is I listen to this album on Spotify, and I have the Spotify version where it's, like, free, so there's ads in between songs. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> the song would end, and then it's just talking. I'm like, dude, what is this thing product even for? <laughs> Like just someone, you could do it. You're the best. Blah blah. And then another song, I'm like, what was that even for? It took me like three, like you know, interludes before I realized, like, it's part of the album. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Super Bowl ads don't even make any sense anymore. What are they trying to sell? Yeah. Andrew W. K. just came on and told me to not kill myself and live life to the fullest, and then yeah. he left. What is this for? Yeah, I didn't even realize it was him at first because it's just weird because it's just him talking, but like. Did you? Did you? I'm, I I think I want to honestly say I wasn't shocked after I realized it was him because Andrew WK also is does like the self help motivational speeches at different like colleges and stuff like that. So I guess it's not too surprising to put interludes like that on the album, but 
I won't deny that it comes off a little corny. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I'm trying to listen to some fucking music, not trying to, you know, live my life to it. I'm not at a seminar, goddamn. I'm listening exactly. to an album. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't put on the new Tony Robbins album. <laughs> I put on fucking an Andrew WK album. Expected a little bit more than this. So you give him, you give him no slack for that at all. You know, I think it's fine. I think I'm glad that I can appreciate it for what it is. But it's like just fucking make some tunes, <laughs> like, or just give up on the whole like, oh, we're gonna party thing. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. Don't be, don't be like, come on, you can do it. You know, live your life to its fullest. Don't give up, and also party, 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 <laughs> and it just. Just comes out. It's so inauthentic. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess I'll say this song like "Ever Again." I, 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 I thought was pretty decent. There's no, there's no song on here that really like grabbing by the balls that, that I was expecting for. Um, there was no song that really hit me at all. I thought every single song on here was kind of lame. Um, there's actually a couple of songs that I feel like it gets weird on the back half. Mm-hmm. First off, what was there, like 15 songs on this fucking thing? Yeah, yeah. Too many. Stop it. <laughs> well, if you took the interludes out, there would be less. Would that be help? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 13 songs were so Um, What song was it? Uh, I think it was Break the Curse. It reminds me a lot of that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with the um, play, where okay. it's just the lyrics were very weird and didn't make a lot of sense, and it was like very... Sounded like it belonged in a rock opera, mm-hmm. and it was just more comical than anything. Yeah, that's what. And it seemed very serious, though. That's what's confusing about this album. Is like, <laughs> you do know this is corny, right? But I don't think he does. I don't think he. I, I don't it, think he's very self-aware, <laughs> which is surprising because he wears the same clothes everywhere. So I thought he would know, be in on the quote-unquote joke. <clears throat> um, I guess there's not really much. More to say about it. I guess I'll go first. My rating, like go for it. the title track, I think sums up the whole album, though. Uh, make your dreams your destiny, and do what must be done. That's basically what he's saying on this whole record. Though the song titles and the lyrics seem like words, you, a wisdom you'd find on a cat poster. <laughs> there's <laughs> no denying how talented this man is at writing beautiful, catchy hooks, interweaving piano keys. And melody into enthusiastic hard rock. I have to say I disagree with you, Drew. Like I think the songs, the way he can write a song and produce it, like to put that piano into like a, a rock song, it doesn't sound jarring. It blends so well. I will say this: I respect him that he's able to write and play every instrument on yeah. an album. He That's not something him. I could do. Yeah, and um, I don't see myself listening to this whole album ever again, though. <laughs> a little pun in the, one of the song titles. But if you like hard rock, but you hate yourself to the point you're contemplating suicide, <laughs> I think that this album serves a better purpose than listening to Ozzy Osbourne's Suicide Solution. So, hey, download it. Check it out. It's not that bad. I'm going to disagree. If you <laughs> love it, if you want some hard rock and songs and you're thinking about killing yourself, listen to the last Hatebreed album <laughs> and... That'll that'll set you on your path. Uh, that's, that's true. Yeah, but I'm this. I guess. He, but in those two situations, Ozzy Osbourne and this guy, I would pick this guy. But go ahead. All right. So 
Listen, while I can appreciate the like anti-suicide, anti-depression subject matter for a lot of these songs and the PMA spoken word pieces in between, it's the only thing that's remotely decent about this album. The music is dated and boring and frequently doesn't seem to fit the subject matter. WK's party boy shtick is really starting to feel inauthentic and overdone, and juxtaposed with songs about suicidal ideation and depression makes it seem like his entire career has been a weird facade to hide this sad, depressed self. If you're ever curious what a cry for help would look like in musical form, then I'll give this a listen, but otherwise skip it. Mm, okay. No songs he enjoyed. I got a couple that were okay, but what did you think of this album? Let us know. Send us a comment of what you thought in the in the comment section, or send us a lengthy email. I appreciate it if NGWK listening to this review, because you're just, one, you're just over the pond, you know. You could tell us what you think of our review of your new album. If, if like. uh, Andrew WK does listen to this um, review, I want him to write us an email yeah. explaining this fucking album. <laughs> we deserve the explanation. No one else does. But yeah. We'll read it on the air, though. We'll be fair. All right. So that's one down, two to go. I'm talking about my beers. No one's here. You heard that horn? There's a car horn. Yeah. Car horn. And you know what that means. It's time for some more drinks or a new review. That's right. All right. Let's get to the next review because um, no point dilly-dallying on this show. Next up, we talk about a ministry, their album. Um, either it's American or American. I'm not sure how you say it. Uh, they are a Chicago industrial metal band founded in 1981. By singer Al Jorgensen, who is still actually the only original member in the band now. Uh, while their earlier albums had more of a synth pop uh, new wave sound, by the 90s they evolved to a heavier alternative metal st- style with like some electronic elements peppered in. I would honestly say that um, they're like an extreme version of Nine Inch Nails without the complex lyrics and ambient undertones, if you want to compare them to anybody. Ministry's fifth album, Psalm 69, is considered to be their most successful album thanks to singles like NWO and Jesus Built My Hot Rod. New World Order. (laughs) After the 11th album, The Last Sucker, the band decided to break up but reformed in 2011 to release Relapse the following year. And after that, their guitarist, uh, Maisakasa, Sakasa, uh, suddenly died on stage performing one day. Al Jorgensen stated that the 2013 album, the Beer From Beer to Deter- Eternity, would be the final ministry album. So now, after five years, he's decided that uh, the circumstances are right, and the group has released this 14th album. <clears throat> Anyone who heard in ministry before knows that Al isn't big on lyrical content. When his subject matter is mostly, I mean, I'll say his subject matter is mostly. Uh, uh, social or political uh, most of the songs are full of systematic industrial metal guitar riffs loud drumming beats and plenty of vocal sampling in fact he is so minimal with lyrics on uh, the album we don't even actually hear a, him sing a song on this particular record until like two minutes into the second track uh, it's the first song like an instrumental so we get five minutes I mean of- if you want to call it that I think it's just samples yes samples <laughs> and stuff like that um, the first five minutes of this album and even like the other six minutes more, we are subjected to a long Arabian instrumental followed by 
mid-tempo Rob Zombie-esque uh, groove metal tr- track, which is called Twilight Zone. All full of random samples, mostly from Donald Trump speeches. Now, <clears throat> I know Ministry usually has very redundant instrumentation, as you know, I heard in the past with like songs like Just One Fix. And I'm familiar with their uh, songs that criticize the president, like the, in 2004, their song No W, which was about George W. But unlike those songs, this one song listening to is, or I'll say all the songs, I'll, I'll say all the songs on this album for the most part, dull, uh, directionless, constantly meandering in the shadow of the band's former self. Uh I think, Drew, you were hinting on something about the band's longevity. You think it's waning a bit with this record? Or what is your take as you were going into it? I don't understand the the point of the band being together. Because Al Jorgensen has, what, like 85 other bands that he could be playing with? I uh, heard a podcast that he was on a year or two ago when he uh, released uh, the debut from his other band, Surgical Meth Machine. And he was talking about how he has a home studio and he goes into the studio and he'll record a song and then he'll just put it in an archive. And he has different archives for different bands and he'll be like, oh, this sounds like a ministry song. Or this sounds (laughs) like a a song for a band I haven't even come up with yet. It's like, if you're doing that, why do you need ministry? Especially since there's really no long-term members. Mm -hmm. Like, the one guy that died, he wasn't... uh, a wasn't an original member. B he was a member of the band in their heyday. Then he quit, and then he came back. So it's like even like the long term members aren't even there half the time. Yeah. So I'm confused why ministry needs to be a thing, especially since every few years he's like, "Well, we're breaking up. I'm done with it." Yeah. I think the answer is because you know, <clears throat> similar like a band like Anti Flag, there's. There's things to say about the the government, the things to say about, you know, social issues. And he feels like, well, I'll just grab all these, sam- these sam- sound bites and put them on a track. And it'll, it'll explain what, what's going on, you know. And it's just like, what is... You I, do it I, under I, another name. Yeah, but then it's like, this sound like ministry. And people will complain. So what does he do? I'll tell you what, honestly. Um, I'm not shitting on this whole album. I think by the fourth song, I was like, I was on board. And that song... Uh, is an interlude act, interlude actually I think because it's like a really like um, chaotic sample interlude and then it kicks in like a thrashy song called uh, We're Tired of It which is a shining light on this album it's shining the light on the racist alt-right movement I, I believe that's what the song's about and maybe it's because of the fact that I love thrash metal or the fact that the song wasn't fucking eight minutes long it's why I actually like <laughs> probably, it probably the latter yeah it's this, it wasn't nonsense, not nonsense like the other tracks that are like really long. I, I kind of like that song. It was turned around for me at that point. Um, I disagree. I was. You did not like that song. I disagree with you. <laughs> no, actually, I did like that song. Okay. Um, and but I was in on this album from pretty, jump. Pretty much, yeah. The first song, I, I don't give a shit about. It's fine. You can have a, a bunch of samples as an intro, whatever. Uh, Twilight Zone. It's just like chugging and slow and heavy. <laughs> That's my jam. Uh, this is where we're gonna take different roads, like you know. And then freaking... we go, we go into that song. We're tired of it, and then it picks up. Yeah, and then it slows down again. It's it's awesome. So if you get sick of the, the slow stuff, you got a fast one perk yeah. you up again. I think we're like a Vin Diesel and a Paul Walker. We're gonna have that <laughs> crossing the road. We're going different directions. Uh, but okay, 
I will say, like, when it slows down again, I, I like when it slowed down. But maybe I like when it slows down and we can get into six minutes or less. That's that's yeah. when I like it. I like I like it. I like the brevity of the yeah uh, the song. Uh, the song I'm thinking of that is about fascism. That I think it's called Antifa. It's got like the gloomy like Melon Manson industrial rock intro before going into like the drum pulsing beat. The song reminded me of like old school ministry, so I liked that song. And this album only has nine tracks. I think the second half of the album is mercifully short. Some yeah. would say. I think it's like actually the second half I like better than the first. I never got bored of it because it wasn't so goddamn long. Mm. And it's a ministry album. They're always goddamn long. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a good point. Most of their songs are usually long. I'll give you that. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's only, what is it, like 45 minutes? I guess I can't complain about the length of the song. The mm-hmm. length of the album. I think the length of the songs would kill me because it wasn't really. When a song is like going, like, you know. Uh, like a, I guess it's not really going any direction. It's just like the same thing over and over. Yeah. You notice right. the, you notice the, the length of the song for me. Yeah, that's probably what it was. If you're gonna do the same thing over and over again, cut the song shorter. Even even <clears throat> classic ministry, like I'll get into a song and then like after five six minutes, I'm like, <laughs> all right, guys, come on. Yeah, but on this cut album, you're saying it didn't happen to you, so that's why I'm confused. Yeah, it didn't really happen that often. Mm. And I think it was everything like there was so many different textures on this album so you had the slow stuff that was like repetitive and then you had the faster stuff you had stuff like um that song that i wanted to talk about wargasm which okay. reminded me a lot of fear factory okay um, i did think of them when i heard and then that, yeah. i found out that the guy from fear factory sings on that song <laughs> and i was like nailed it yeah <laughs> well where it's like slow but it's not repetitive it has like a verse chorus thing yeah. Well, how do you feel about the subject matter then on this? Do you feel it like it's pandering a bit, or do you think it's no? Because I think he's genuine. I feel like he's like kind of a hothead, and he gets pissed off at, at things he sees, and he he uh, will say something about it. And I feel like that's been ministry this entire time, in addition to his other bands. Yeah, where he's he's always been outspoken. So I feel like him being like, "Well, this album's going to be about." the alt-right and Donald Trump is like, well, you did do three albums about George Bush, so... Right, yeah. Why not? So what is he going to do that every time there's a... <laughs> so he's, got, he's got material for years every time they get like a conservative like a president in office, I guess. Um, <clears throat> he did it for... for I'm assuming Psalm 69 was all about Reagan and Bush. I thought it was about, you know, like, you know, eating pussy and like getting your dick sucked at the same time. <laughs> um, the album title, yes. <laughs> okay. I meant the... The subject matter. Oh, okay. So I feel like, and you know, I every time that there's like a Democratic president, like yeah, it seems got like say. he <laughs> drops off and is like, I don't know, I got some puns. If you guys <laughs> want to hear puns, <laughs> everybody's like, no, we don't. We're good. Beard or eternity, get it? <laughs> yeah, I get it. Game Over, I thought was a great song. I love the way they programmed the, the guitar riffs and it was like bouncing back and yeah. forth. Uh, even the closer, America. <laughs> Was uh, Which, eight minute dram jam? Um, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, I think the eight minute long. I thought it was a good closer. A uh, little too much like Manson, but it's it's fine. I thought it was a good way to end the album. You know what's a little bit too much like? Oh, that that Ice Cube album. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. very true. <laughs> yeah, because how many the, times did Ice Cube use America with that spelling? Yeah, exactly. Well, what, yeah, like twenty. Yeah. 
25, 28 years ago. It's, that's my point where it's hacky, though. So, it's, yeah, it's, but only the song titles. But yeah, it's only the song titles. He so actually, I'll give him a pass. He actually um, is looking at the racism in America today as more of like a in-your-face. That's why he gets away with putting that on the album, as opposed to, I guess it was the same way back when Ice Cube did that, that album in the 90s, but I think nowadays it's more like blatant than it used to yeah. be. Um, I think we're gonna switch uh, reviews uh, now. It's only it nine nine songs, so I don't think there's more more gasm we talked about. We talked about the other eight or seven tracks for the most part. We got an instrumental and we got like a, a interlude in the middle, so there's really like not that many songs on here. So what'd you think of the album? All right, you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. All right. My opinion is Ministry has always been a band that I've had kind of a love-hate relationship with. On one hand, Al Jorgensen can write a riff like no one else, and his voice is killer. On the other hand, they never know when to end a fucking song, and I usually get (laughs) bored halfway through most Ministry songs. America can't, however, is anything, uh, everything I've liked about Ministry in the past without the bad. Sure, the songs are repetitive and long, but these... uh, these never seem to wear out their welcome. It, uh, it's a heavy, catchy album that flows together uh, real well and seems like a singular vision, while still remaining eclectic enough to never feel too samey from track to track. The superfluous turntable scratching aside, which we didn't come uh, mention, cut that shit out. That was actually one of the NWA guys that not DJ Yella, but don't care, <clears throat> don't need it. Cut that shit out. But that was that was that aside. This is a great album, and uh, makes me want to revisit Ministry's back catalog and make sure I wasn't wrong about them this whole time. I think you should buy this album. Huh. All right. Let's see if I can pick it up. Then uh, the thing that Drew said, I, I, I kind of agree with, but I think kind of in the same way when that guitarist died, like he kind of took some of the talent with him. Um, and with Donald Trump becoming president and the inevitable potential for protest albums emerging. I guess Al decided that his band must rise to challenge and put out like a kind of a half-assed record full of like samples, like the guitar scratch, uh, the the stamp, the scratching that you mentioned over like guitar hooks, blast beats, lackluster vocals. And the biggest issue that I have this album is it will bore you because of the extended time period of time for because of the long the songs you were talking about. If someone were to say to me. If this is Ministry's worst album, I really wouldn't argue that with them. But I could still count on my hands. Uh, sorry, I count on three fingers the moments that were decent to me. They're, it's just not all trash. Um, Al, you had it, Al. You had, you're had out. You could have dissolved the band when this guy died. But you got too ambitious and ended up like wasting my time. Not Drew's, but everyone else's, and a lot of critics that thought the album the same way. But I gotta agree with like the majority and say this is not their best work. This is not really a good album as well. I'm gonna have to go too lower, Drew, and say skip this album. And that doesn't surprise me because I read a few reviews before we did ours because um, I decided to look up their Wikipedia and uh, get familiar a little more familiar with their work. It seems like everybody reviewed it the same way where they were all like me yeah. at, at least familiar with ministry and most of the time were fans of ministry and everybody said the same thing uh they had two golden ages where it was um mine is a terrible thing to taste land of rape and honey and uh psalm 69 and then the three bush albums mm-hmm. those were were uh the essential ministry and you for, can forget everything else and this album is just like all the other ones and they're trash 
and it's trash. Roughly. But you disagree with that? You enjoyed it. So that's yeah, great. I enjoyed we, it. That's but I'm also not a ministry fan. Yeah. So I'm not either. I guess I've only heard like you know their their greatest hit, greatest fits. Uh, they can't stop with these goddamn puns, man. Um, and obviously they put all the best songs on there, and I've heard um, the Bush albums as well. And I I just think that this is just. All right, it's like three good songs, and it's just wasting my time with these longer ones. So that's why I had to put it lower. I can't really fight you on this too much because it's not something I'm that passionate about, and I'm glad <laughs> you're not the same way. I I feel like when we when we're that far apart with ratings, we should really like duke it out. But it's just like, eh, what's the, why I don't care too. I I'm probably I'm probably not going to ever go back to this album. Yeah, not because it's bad. Just there's more to listen to. Um, I don't think Ministry is ever going to be a band that I'm going to be like really in love with or invested in. I'll throw on a Ministry record every once in a while. I have a copy of Psalm 69 from when I was like 13. Hmm. It's fine. <laughs> like this album, I feel like is pretty pretty solid. Uh, Buy it definitely. Definitely uh, do not. I have to screw them. <laughs> We're duking it solid. out. We're yeah. duking it out now. <laughs> I brought it up. No, it's like you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's pretty solid, but you know, to be honest, I'm not a big fan. So, yeah. if you're more invested in this and you feel let down, or if you just don't like long songs like Jarrell, <laughs> maybe it's not for you. Yeah, that's true. So, I think like what's fair with this with this review and people out there listening is like, you know, check test it out, see how you feel about it. But we're coming from both non fans. It's just. It's not going to kill you to hear. Right, yeah. Argue about it. So, but actually, if you are a big fan out there, or if you want to give your opinion, let us know in the comments or send us an email. What you think of the new ministry album? America can't. Did you like it or not? And tell us what your rating would be as well. Good. We finally got all the, the bullshit out of the way. We can finally review a band that's doing something with their lives. Well, goddamn, I can't <laughs> believe you're so excited for this album. <laughs> yes. Here we go. We're talking about the band Between the Buried and Me and their album Automatic Automata 1. And this is their eighth album. And the group has claimed that this will be a two-parter uh, with the second half Automata 2 being released in the summer. So we already have a commitment to re- re- review both albums. Mm, I'm sorry. That explains why it's so goddamn short. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's been three years since the uh, last album, Coma Elliptic, which I thought I really enjoyed for its technical blend of progressive rock and metalcore. So I was really excited to review this one as well. So Drew is going to tell us me what he thought of the band because you said you stopped listening to him with the album Alaska, Alaska. So you listen to all the older stuff. I um I remember I listened to Colors a little bit, but it didn't really hit me. And I guess I'm in the minority on this again because that's like their mm. best album according to all their fans. Uh, Alaska is the last one that I really liked. Now, why did you stop at that point? Um, <laughs> I just don't give a shit. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> it's you know um. Does that mean the album was bad, or you you decided to change directions in the kind of music you like? Here's the thing. There's so much music. (laughs) It's tough to keep... I looked at their Spotify. I'm looking at it right now. I can't believe how many fucking albums they have. How do they find the time to put out this many albums? Well, it's only their eighth album we're talking about. That's pretty good for a band that came out in the early 2000s. Or late And they got two-parters, Parallax, and Parallax 2. Yeah. What'd you think of... Sequence? Jesus Christ. So they used to be a different sound before all this. Um, That's where I didn't know that. Slightly. Okay. I feel like they're... What made them really good to me on those first few albums was 
as a metalcore band, they were kind of generic, but they had like prog elements, which pushed them over the edge. So it was almost like a Pixies type of thing where it was mm-hmm. like soft and then loud and then soft again. And that's why I thought it was so good. And I almost like Alaska or Silent Circus. Um, where it would just be like screaming and breakdowns and stuff, and then they would go into like just something ambient and beautiful, and there would be sweet picking and like singing and keyboards, and then they would do, do the breakdowns. Didn't give a shit about the breakdowns, <laughs> but it, I feel like if you take the breakdowns out, mm. it's not as interesting because you don't have that juxtaposition of the two sounds coming together. Yeah, yeah, that's what makes them great. Like with the pro, the, with the progression that they're going, they're not like your average uh, Coheed and Cambria band. You know? I feel like they're going in that direction, though. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like that's what, what they're doing with this album. I definitely got more of a prog rock or metal uh, kind of vibe off of it, um, more so than with previous albums, where it wasn't as like structured. It just felt like kind of something you would find on a Coheed and Cambria album, mm-hmm. but with like the occasional screamed vocals. Yeah. Well... Let's see how this one goes. Uh, but th- what the last album and this one, they th- this is a conceptual album. But this time, singer Tommy Rogers says like the lyrics deal with uh, having the ability to see other people's dreams. And I didn't get a chance to really dissect the words, but being that this album is only six tracks, like Drew mentioned, how short it is, it's only thirty five minutes. It's one of their most digestible products I've heard in a long time. With the opening track called Condemned to the Gallows and the 10 minute closer blot which don't worry Drew we will talk about blot in, in more length later uh, I think between the buried and me are still showcasing your talent at effortlessly switching from time signatures and genres from medieval symphonic metal to death metal peppered with blast beats and shredding guitar solos all in one song so I think they're still they still have it uh, the song House Organs continues to show the group's Dream Theater-esque prog metal influence with this song switching from heavy guitars or heavy metal to soft piano lace rock during the bridge. So I thought it was coming off pretty well. Uh, usually, I, uh, which is no surprise, I don't like long songs. Uh, unless it's old school Metallica or like a hip-hop posse cut with, with like 17 rappers on one track. <laughs> But just like a cipher jam, yeah. But a band like this makes it work since it comes more. Uh, it, it gives them more time to explore different musical elements. Need examples? I'll give you some. I do need examples. Yellow eyes. The song may seem uh may seem tedious at some points since it's over eight minutes, but you gotta give credit to Tommy's skill at switching from clean vocals. The hardcore growling, depending on the transition of the sound. That's my example. I have another one, but I wanted to give, if there's any songs in between that, I I didn't mention um, a song after, uh, I think a song after Yellow Eyes. I can't remember the name of it, but Millions. you might. Yeah, did, that's it. But it, did you uh, feel like the band on this album is, lack of a better word, progressing, or do you think they're just coasting? I definitely think they are progressing. Um, you're mentioning different songs here. Yeah. I actually don't have any notes for this album. And I know, I feel there's a reason why. <laughs> the, there is a reason why. 
uh, as I've mentioned on the show before, I usually do most of my listening in the car. Um, the album was halfway over before I even really noticed it. As as I thought pen, it was the same. As soon as you song. got the pen and the paper, it's over. <laughs> I I noticed I was like, oh, condemned to the ga- to the gallows. That's a pretty cool name for a song. As I was leaving work, yeah, and I put it on, and uh, then the chorus for Yellow Eyes came in, and I was like, hmm. Let me. And I pulled down the Spotify thing on my phone, and I looked, and I was like, three songs have passed. <laughs> I thought that was one song. That's a bad sign, then, man. That's some. Is it a bad sign? That's some Ramones shit, sign? man. I feel like that's they're going. I feel like they're going in a in a very strictly prog direction, mm. which depending on how how you feel about prog is going to be either very good or very bad. Yeah. Um do you like playing Dungeons and Dragons and eating Funyuns in your basement while I do, but you, I don't listen to prog rock <laughs> while I do it. Okay. It's more a um I don't know, death metal. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> I almost fainted there. Go on. Um you know, it, well, I agree it, with you. It, it think... reminds me a lot of like you know Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, or something like that. Yeah, um, I can appreciate it for what it is. Uh, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of different riffs, a lot of different instrumentation. Um, I was kind of surprised at how much keyboards and like pianos were on it because mm-hmm. in previous albums, it almost felt like he needed something to do when the rest of the band was jamming out. So he's like, Oh, I got my little keyboard here and I'll, I'll jam out with you guys too. Dude, I can bring out the Casio if you want. And I mean, sure, literal, Tom, whatever you want, literally little keyboard. Yeah. Like I saw them, <laughs> I saw them back when the silent circus was relatively new. Yeah. And the thing must've been like maybe a foot long mm. and he had it off to the side of the stage. And whenever there was like a guitar solo, he would go over there and do his thing when he wasn't needed at the mic. Um, but, but now he's like come into his own. He's like, there's lots of lot going on. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say like with the song "Blot," I think really showcases my point. Uh, I think that you you agree with me you, a little bit that they're progressing. I think the progression of the band really showed on that last track because I love the headbanging Viking metal intro with the chaotic lead guitar work going throughout. Uh, the chorus has. Soulful vocals mixed with a bit of alternative metal, which reminded me of a band, uh, Faith No More. Like I can the way see they, that. Okay, I throw all these like you know reference of bands, and you're just like, I don't hear that. I'm so happy finally I mentioned one that you can say, yeah, I do hear that. Um, while the middle of the track goes to like clean, soothing guitars and somewhat electronic bass lines, I love that. It's very artsy, like if Radiohead was a metal band. I, I um. So six tracks. There's really not much to say about it. I, that, that's something that I'm glad you brought that up. How refreshing is it that you can actually hear the bass on a metal album? Right. Yeah. And the bass is not like some like and he's got the like bass. a yeah, like a six string or some shit. Yeah. He's just laying it down. It's right. fucking heavy. I know. It's like you don't hear bass that thick, like except for like corn or something like that. But it's actually not just. But he can following. actually. Yeah. yeah he can yeah. actually like play his bass. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. I have a lot to say about this album, so I think I, for my rating, I have I, I will unless you have more to say about you the songs. You don't let me go. Okay, I'll go first. If you want. Um, I would. Ju- the only other thing I have to say is I didn't know that this was about seeing other people's dreams. Um, I'd like to point out that at least two of the members are straight edge, um, which is 
impressive just the the fact that you come up with this shit and you're like stone cold sober. Hmm. Um, what memories are straight edge? Um, <clears throat> the singer and the one guitarist. Okay. I don't know if they still are. I assume yeah. they are. Um, they were in a, a straight edge metalcore band called Prayer for Cleansing before they started Between the Buried and Me. Yeah. That's um, kind of as as interesting as like if we talk about like hardcore uh, minor threat. The singer was the only straight edge person, but the other guys followed suit. I have know. it on good. I have it on good authority that the uh, the one guitarist does a lot of coke. Oh yeah, uh, Brian Baker. Yeah, that's very <laughs> yeah. true. Well, he was a bass at the time, but yeah, yeah. I I do. Have, oh, that's right. He plays guitar in Better Legend. Yeah, I do. I'm not a punk true. guy, people. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> all right so i'm gonna rate this album first being that i was so looking forward to this record are you going first yep all right uh the only thing that uh between the burger and me did wrong on this album is it's too short we mentioned that before i've said before that double albums are trash because it's too many throwaway songs but here we have a band that will have a double album that could have been all on one disc I hate that shit. That's been like a. I know um, Cypress Hill did that with the uh, Skull and Bones album with on uh, two thousand. One album was rap songs. The other album was rap rock. Both albums were like six tracks long. It's like just put them together. What are you doing? Why are you making me wait, people? Um. So to all of you out there who still buy physical copies of albums, I can't encourage you to purchase this to take up space in your CD uh, rack, record collection, or album booklets that you still drive around in your car with. <laughs> uh, that's the problem. I'm going to say just download this album. It's, it's okay. Now, I got good news for the band. I got good news. All you guys have to do when you release a second album is make it mediocre. And if you put that album with this one together and release it, it automatically will average to a buy list. That's all you got to do. So, or if when the second part comes out, they package them together. Right. That's what I'm saying. Put it together. Buy and it that will, shit. And then you'll buy it. it, it just all you got to do is the next six songs, if that's how many songs you're going to do, just make it average. You don't have to even push. I'm not making you ask, do any more than that. That's all you got to do. Make an average record. You could somehow bring this rating up. And I will. I promise you guys, if you make it a download this downloadable album, I will come back and change my rating on this album. So the only album. problem you have with this is you feel cheated that it's not a full album. It's not. The songs aren't that good in the first place. They're okay, but and it's too short. That's what I'm saying. So why buy two? Yeah. You make a good point because the, the whole... Biggest, the biggest problem the biggest is it's too short. Too short, and it's a double disc. It's That's your problem. I, I, hate, I hate that shit more than when a band is overzealous and puts out a double album of like 36 tracks. That's that's a given. I understand that. It's something that goes in bands' heads. But when you pull this, like, we're going to do a two-part album and have one album have six songs, the other album have six songs, like, why are you wasting our time in, in this space? <laughs> what if they put out the the next part and it's, like, 80 minutes? Oh, that means what if they, What if they, like, what if it's not going to be another 30-minute one? What okay. if it's going to be, like, too long? Here's That's the problem. And now it's even longer yeah, because you already had it. It's like an hour and a half, two hours. Well, the, then the, the challenge goes deeper than that. Like, if they're gonna really like, if this was not a cash grab, if they really had a reason for splitting it up like that, um, and they give us more for the second part, this that second part has got to be goddamn good. So that means there's more potential of throwaway tracks uh, outweighing like the good songs. So you have to make that um a buy a buy this record in the first place. <laughs> 
it's got to be that good. So it's a lot of challenges because if you make six good songs and six bad songs, then you, you're wasting time at the same time. Um, but then when you average six songs with like 12 at the end of the day, that makes too many songs that were bad and too few songs that were okay. So it's too much math. I got to figure it out. What I can't happens. wait to come back to this. Yeah, me too. So when they release the second one. Download this album. Uh, check it out if you, if you like it. Uh, you might think they're they're um, teetering. Or they're just like kind of like just like bleh, like whatever, just putting out like a standard album. I'm talking too much because I'm drinking too much. But Drew, go ahead with your rating on this album. Uh, for me, this is a tough review to do because no matter what score I give this album, there's a huge asterisk next to it saying your mileage may vary. Between the Buried and Me have gone full on prog, and depending on how you feel about prog rock and metal, will determine how much you like this record. If you're into real nerdy ass prog like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Dream Theater, this record should be right up your alley. If you're more of a fan of, like, gore guts or, like, death, um, something that's gets proggy but is still pretty straightforward, like me, <laughs> you'll find this album a little bit too abstract and dense. Maybe one day I'll take a handful of mushrooms and uh, listen to this record again, and it'll be profound. I'll come back and I'll re-rate this as a praise this. But with just a handful of listens, I wasn't able to penetrate this album fully and really get it. I can appreciate it for what it is, but it doesn't really do anything for me. I'm going to give it a mild download it. Finally, we agree on something. That's good. Well, that's fine. It's Was that a safe bet or you just didn't want to offend anybody? Do you really think it's okay? No, I really... I listen to this album more than any of the albums we reviewed. <laughs> you have enough time to do it. Hell yeah. I, I that, that that was part of it. <laughs> um, but I also wanted to be like, is it just me? And like, am I... What am I missing here? Yeah. And... I would I would catch riffs here and parts there and I'm like oh that's cool what the bass did here and like I like the off time riff here and like but like as a whole it's just like did I do I enjoy it not really I'm not really getting anything out of it mm-hmm. um, but I'm also not that into prog rock I okay like I cannot stand Dream Theater um, I kind of like Emerson Lake and Palmer and yes but even them that get a little bit too up their own asses for my taste where but I'll, Rush I'll, you love then. Right, and that's another. You could throw Rush into that pile of okay. like Death and Gore Guts and like um, the Faceless, like all these different bands that are really progressive and are technical and are doing some like next level shit. Um, I think we got to clarify when you, when you say Death, who we're talking not about? the punk band from okay. Detroit. Thank you, the uh, death metal band from <laughs> Florida. Because uh, what threw me off? The you're way. you're the only person <laughs> out there that was like, D- does he mean that one band that released a single 35 years ago, or does he mean the prog metal band that released like nine albums? I don't know. <laughs> well, death. I didn't know it was a prog metal band. The other band, uh, the metal um, one. Well, they started out. They have. Yeah, I think I've only heard their first album. Yeah, they have like four albums that are um, like pretty straightforward death metal, and then mm-hmm. they start getting getting uh, weird and their last album is almost like a straight up prog record so you gotta, but it's still like rooted in death metal you gotta confirm with the old school death fans like me that would listen to death before they got too trendy in uh, a prog rock or the guys that would listen to the black metal band uh, black punk rock band before punk rock existed I'm that guy you know, I, I came out the womb. You're like, I don't even fuck with anything past Scream Bloody yeah, Gore. Yeah, exactly. One, once, once the the term death metal started, I was like, I'm out. This is too mainstream. <laughs> exactly. It's too it's too trendy now. When they have a label on it, when it's packaged. So anyway, let us know what you think of the the uh, brand. What the band's called? Um, Between the Bear and Me. Thank you. What you think of their new album? Did you like it? 
or did you actually hate it, or do you think it's just eh, okay? Or are you excited? Or did about you just not get it because you're not too high on drugs, and <laughs> and, and or don't play all the guitars? Just let us know in the comments or send us an email what you think of it, and we will, will appreciate that. And read your email on the air if you want, if you don't mind. Even if you do mind, we don't care because you know you can You have to make sure you you say that anyway. End of the show, and I'm really I'm, it's really bittersweet about this because I appreciate you guys listening. Say a little cheers. <laughs> when we come back, not only will Drew be a married man, but we have to. It's gonna be such a long time. We have to catch up on so much stuff when we come back to do another show. Any albums you're looking forward to re- reviewing coming out in April? Yeah, I got some that uh, you might actually be into. I'm not gonna torture you with uh, obscure doom. Well, I know what it fans. is. It's the new uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars album. How did you know? Because um, I would like, and uh, I don't know if I should say it on the air because we haven't talked about this off the air. Okay. Um, the new one from Zeke and the new one from Wrong. Okay. Uh, both dirty ass, uh, heavy. Uh, Just say the word already. <laughs> punk <laughs> ish band. Oh, okay. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Doom Band. I did. Didn't you? <laughs> uh, Wrong is a uh, noise rock band in the vein of Helmet or Unsane. Uh, Zeke is, I don't know, just fast, wild, dirty ass. Punk band. I if guess. they sound. Wait. No, I'm thinking of another band. Zeke. Yeah, I know. Just, Zeke. I already know Zeke. Just fast, fast tunes about hot rods and. Zeke fucking... had that album on Epitaph that was like, um, I would say, 15, 17 tracks in fifteen minutes, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Or other way around. Sorry. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reviewing those. Okay, that's cool. I I actually have um, the uh, Flatbush Zombies rap group. Um, that we're going to review. Also, we got the, um, I did say third sec- seconds of Mars, which I don't, I guess you weren't talking about them. Um, I know they have a new perk circle album coming out and maybe we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And there's a uh, local bands. I get emails about that. We're going to try reviewing that way. We can get more exposure we on got, the underground. We got scene. demo submissions yeah, up we, in here. We got demo submissions. We made it. Yes, we <laughs> made it. Everybody at home. We made it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're gaining some momentum now on these podcasts. Now that I switched over to uh, Buzzsprout. And um, I know you're saying, where are all the videos, man? Like, you know, I know we're diehard podcast listeners, but we want to see the videos, see your puppet faces. Uh, now that we're taking a break, that's the other good thing. I have more time. We catch up on all the shit up we've on been the stuff that neglecting. We yeah, that like I've been bathing. neglecting. And by the time we come back, hopefully, we'll have a, a, a person that can help out with the, um, I guess, our marketing going on our uh, social media and promoting us a little more than I can do. And also I'm looking for people that can do some editing with me. That way we can get, knock out some of these videos together. And who knows, maybe upgrading to a new studio. Yes. Well, that's actually coming in. The, might be coming in depending if we, I get this uh, affordable housing thing that happens on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I apply for a place down the street and I'm hoping that our income is low enough. <laughs> that we can go in there. That's the sad thing. We hope you, you're making, you may or may money. not have to quit your job. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to quit my job to make to make ends meet. <laughs> okay, so with that being said, I see the time we're getting close to two hours. So I think what other we, podcast gives you two hours an episode? Should we talk for value? Another, should we talk for another six minutes or should we get out of here? What do you think, guys? I don't get know. out of here or should we talk? People talk at home, more? if you want to call in, it's one eight hundred six nine six nine six four twenty. That's one eight hundred six nine six nine four twenty. Operators are standing by. 
Good shit, man. All right, so let's get out of here. I'll well, see you guys in uh, April. Here's got in touch with us. Here's how to get in touch with us. Go to our website njhabitradio.net. Also, you can go to our email. Type in njhabitradio at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your comments, your insults, or your advice, everything like that. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash njhabitradio, and make sure you like our page as well. Check out our YouTube channel, which is uh, type in hybrid radio. You'll find us on YouTube. And we say, make sure when you find us, you hit that subscribe button. It's really easy. Just click the button. It's done. It's, I don't know what the problem is. You don't got to do a lot. Just fucking hover over <laughs> it and then click the button, you assholes. And finally, you can follow us on Twitter at Hybrid Radio. Till next time, saying have a good um, spring break, everybody. Spring break. Woo! Yeah, alcohol poison big. Bye bye.